0: Good morning and thank you for tuning in to Fantasy Frenzy here on Sports 1440. Brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky, home of Alberta's best beef jerky. Locations in Spruce, Grove, Leduc, and right here at West Edmonton Mall, WilhawkBeefJerky.com. Connor Hallie, Brandon Douglas with you here. As we are, uh, we're going to let you guys dictate what we talk about on the show today. Of course, we love answering your fantasy sports questions at the text line, 1-833-401-1440. NHL, NFL... NBA, whatever it might be, but I, I feel like we kind of gotta talk about the elephant in the room and those Edmonton Oilers as well. Usually we dictate well, we have like five minutes. We'll say five minutes to talk about the Oilers, then we're going fantasy. But after last night's loss to the San Jose Sharks, and now being tied for last spot in the NHL a team, I'm not I don't even want to say it because the whole copper bust thing was thrown out there. But uh, Brandon, the Edmonton Oilers, wow. Like, what is going on? Power play at the end of the game, a chance to tie it up. Was there even a good opportunity?
1: Like, it is just an absolute bleep show right now. I, I believe it was Martin Biron who was doing some post postgame um, on TSN last night, and you talk about that final power play. This is a historically good power play, and we know it hasn't looked quite the same this season and the inability to finish both at 5-on-5 five five and uh, with the man advantages certainly evident, but... Instead of, we talk about this team like wanting it enough, desperation, what the end of that game looked like was panic. Like desperation turned to panic and not executing a pass, a play, uh, hockey IQ, the same way that you would if the same power play came across in the middle of the game um, and the score is the same or or whatever circumstance you want to throw at it. Because of the um, environment being playing a last place team, down a goal, down into the final two minutes. We said the same expressions come up 100 times, gripping your stick a little bit too tight. Oh. Th- that is 100% what it looked like, and it was to a – I've said this 100 times now, to a man. Your top players, Leon, Connor, Nuge, Hyman, and, uh, and, and your defensemen, like Evan Bouchard patrolling the blue line on that power play. I know sometimes you're shooting wide intentionally to get rebounds off the end boards, but when you're in the last 10 seconds of the game, the shot's got to hit the net. Like, I'm I'm sorry. So th- there is no one single thing that is currently plaguing the Oilers. It is a, uh, a myriad of things, and maybe it starts right up at the top with the general manager, into the coaching staff, mm-hmm. and then to the players. The players have to execute the coach has to put you in a position to succeed and the management has to put the right types of players on a roster for the coach to put them in a position to succeed. And I think it's faulted. There's faults at every single level of that um, tier, tiering system right now. Every level of the pyramid. So it's, uh, there. there's certain people saying changes are going to be coming to the coaching staff. Some people saying coaches or changes are coming to the management. Who knows? It could be all of the above. Uh, but it's certainly a pretty bleak day in oil country right now. Uh, the good news is there's another game tomorrow. <laughs>
0: yeah, and if they win it, the Oilers are back, baby. They but you back. know what? I mean, I, I like what you said. I mean, we look at this team coming into the start of the season. I It's like my fantasy football team. Great projections. Everything looks good. I was projected to go like 15-1 and one in the regular season in one of my leagues. I have two wins. I'm like the Edmonton Oilers. I thought I put together a pretty good team, but it just didn't work out. We thought the Oilers were going to be a good team, and it hasn't gone that way. So what do you do? Do you change the head coach? Do you change the GM? I've seen people say both firing the GM at this point. What's it going to do? What's what kind of GM's going to come in here? And is it going to fire them up with a good speech. I think the coach is the move that has the most immediate impact. Even if you don't think Jay Woodcroft deserves it. It's the move that would make the quickest change. I and mean, I don't know if that could be a good or a bad change, but a new one comes in. You always see that new head coach bump to me for a struggling team. That's the way you go. Even if it's not all on Jay Woodcroft, it's just kind of,
1: unfortunately, it's a lot easier to fire the coach than the players. The The term sacrificial lamb isn't <laughs> super appropriate because whether it be Jack Campbell being the guy that got sent to the, uh, getting waived and sent Adam to Adam Ernie. Adam Ernie before that. Philip Broberg <laughs> sent to the minors prior. Jay Woodcroft getting fired. Like, if... These guys losing their jobs, and that's essentially what has happened to Ernie and Campbell at the pro level, or or the NHL level, pardon me, and if Jay Woodcroft is in fact fired, they have deserved to lose their jobs, but they are not the only reason this is happening to this team. So you can look at it through a couple different lenses, and the the end result is the same, and it's the question that I've seen the most across Oilers' Twitter last night across the text line this morning. And you've already said it uh, in our first seven minutes of the show here, Connor. Yeah. What are we doing? What is going on? How is a team with this much talent having this little success in virtually every facet of the game? To put this into a fantasy
0: thing, because we are Fantasy Frenzy here on Sports 1440, 401 1440 is the text line if you want to get your thoughts in. I, I went through the last four games and just some of the Oilers' big-time names, you know, the guys we expect – Three of these guys were 100-point players last season and just looked at the point production because maybe you have them on your team. And I know fantasy leagues are deeper, but I'm just going points. Connor McDavid in the last four games, one assist. That just doesn't sound right. That's ridiculous. One assist in four games for him? I'm not to be a conspiracy guy, but it's like something's got to be wrong. There's got to be an injury. It just doesn't make sense. Leon Dreisidel, 50-goal score. 100-point player, an MVP in this league, one goal, one assist. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I know we all expected a decline from his point production last year, but one goal, one assist. Evander Kane, and I know it's more than just stats of Evander Kane because the presence he brings. He's been one of their better players. One goal, one assist. Zach Hyman, one goal, no assists. On the back end, a guy who's second in the team's uh, scoring race here, Evan Bouchard, zero goals, two helpers. Love to see a boost bomb on that power play last night that hit the back of the net and then between the pipes. You know Stuart Skinner in his last three games that he's started, his save percentage eight three three eight three three eight five two. Jack Campbell got the start in the other game against the Preds eight five three. In the last four games, the best save percentage they've got is eight five three. We talked about it a lot last year. The Oilers don't need great goaltending; they need good goaltending. Average nine hundred. And in their four losses since the game here at Commonwealth Stadium, they are not getting that. And it's certainly tough, obviously, to outscore the opposition when they're scoring three, four goals a game. But for the Edmonton Oilers, they're not even scoring two goals. Like they're just it's it's not going well in basically every asset of the game. Dan and Dan, I appreciate this message. This is a long one. More oil issues. No one even tries to screen the goalie. Look at the six on four at the end of the game. Bush loads up a bomb, three always air quotes in front of the net, blocking, two blocking the left post, one blocking the right post, and a clear line from Bush to the goalie. Not one of the three forwards are being blocked or pushed out of the way. You just don't even try to screen the goalie. You can have 50 shots if the goalie is set, ready, and can see the shot. No goalie, not wearing an oil drop, will not stop it. And there will not be any rebounds. Team-wide problem for years. It is how they play. Look at Lucic, always standing beside the goalie, blocking a third of the net. As soon as he went to Cowtown, he was back directly in front of the goalie. Dan N. I mean, they have one of the best net front presence in NHL history that formerly played on this team. Ryan Smith. We got spoiled with what he was able to do. But hey, Dan, you're right. Maybe the Oilers do need to channel a little Smitty and get in front of the net. Matt and the Duke says cup or bust meets the tank at the tank that went well. Cup or bust. Well, they made their choice. North side, Lou. When I envisioned Connor and dry, not in the top five in the scoring is because I thought it'd be a product of their new commitment to the two way game. Not because they sucked North side Lou. I will say this. I still believe at some point they're going to go nuclear and they'll go on a bit of a run. And maybe we look back and laugh at this. Maybe they missed the playoffs by five points, and we say, "Wow, one of those games against Vancouver, one of those games against San Jose, that game against Nashville." If they win those games they're in, and now they're sitting out of the dance. But it, it's certainly something, uh, Brandon. We got <laughs> we got a couple of fantasy football questions coming in here. Maybe we'll hold off on that for four minutes. That uh, Brandon, we do see you there. Uh, Compro Evolution says, hey, guys, 97 is not firing on all cylinders, and this may be affecting everyone to watch the leader. He is not shooting or skating like he's capable. I don't know why Jay is sticking with this new defensive system. Shame on him from Compro Evolution. Did we not hear that they abandoned that new defensive system after like three
1: games? Wasn't that kind of the the scuttlebutt? That was what was going around, but I think there's still confusion amongst the the fans and even the media because when asking Jay Woodcroft near the start of the season when it was clear there was some uh, defensive structure issues, he wouldn't exactly fully divulge what changes had been made. Of course, it would, the generic term was switching to a zone-style defense, um, which when you watch the Oilers on a nightly basis, it looks like they're still trying to play that. Even if, let's in theory say, they did make the switch back to more of a man uh, coverage type situation. One of the, the th- biggest things that plagues the Oilers is... Coverage off the rush on like a back check, yeah. And then last night, the first goal of the game, uh, Tomas Hurdle pointed out by your netminder, which that's part of a, a goalie's job is to see things from that from his perspective that maybe the your players on the ice are missing and say, "Hey, buddy, guy's right here, left alone, easily buried." I mean, we we've complained about the goaltenders plenty enough on this show uh, on this station over the past couple weeks. At a certain point, there is nothing they can do. And last night, I think was a, a pretty good. Um, Example of that, like bad luck on the uh, the one goal, a bouncing puck around. But at the same time, it's a guy standing all alone yeah. in a pretty high danger area. Even if it's unfortunate, the puck bounced to him as a result. Like it's the same thing. So, yes, they said they switched back to a, a man system or a, a more of a hybrid system. I think, but it sure doesn't reflect it in the way we actually see them executed on the ice. It's wild.
0: It is wild. And like, yeah, there there was bad plays like Darnell Nurse turning the the puck over when you know you could play it in. You avoid that whole situation entirely. Like you knew that was going the other way for a goal as soon as it started to happen. It just you knew it was coming. Uh, We've got Klaus from Beaumont saying McDavid is still clearly hurt. I think it's the hip slash lower rib issue. He can't pivot or turn almost at all. Ekholm also hurt. Dry's trying too hard and pouting. Klaus from Beaumont. Uh, I was watching the. Oilers Nation after dark post-game show and Tyler Chuck with an all-time rant on Leon Draisaitl. It was it was explosive. Go check that out on YouTube. Uh, t- maybe today at 6 o'clock,
1: you know, once we're all done here on Sports 1440. Um, yeah. it'll, it'll be convenient because once you're done watching the Jason Greger show on the Oilers Nation YouTube, you can just flick over to their other videos. That's it. And, uh, and check out Tyler's um, thoughts, we'll call them.
0: <laughs> it was good. It was great. And acknowledging that he is an elite talent but then uh, some some criticisms as well that I, I think was quite common amongst those watching. Uh, we've got... Copper Bus turns into... <laughs> suck the blank that rhymes with Calabrini. I don't know if we can say it. I don't want to risk it. We've only been on for two months. I don't want to see it yanked already. Uh, we've got Picks. Okay, we'll get to you, Picks, in a second because that's NFL Ben says, hey, guys, how does Kenny Holland still have a job currently? Year five and we still have the same question slash roster holes when he got here. Not a single draft pick of his is contributing or playing fireball. A fair question. <laughs> I mean, hey, what I would say is like the GM puts this team together in the offseason and throughout the entirety of the season. And there are certainly faults he could have, right? Like not having the amount of players to start the season because of the cap. He's had a long time to figure that one out. Some of the, the deals that he has agreed to, I feel like he's given way too much term. Nuge, Jack Campbell, like, and, and I know that's a big way to get players to sign. You throw a little on the top, give them a little more money or whatever it might be. But I think those are questionable. But if you tell me, if we fire him, we have the power to fire Ken Holland right now. Who's coming in and changing it? Like, is it is it gym going to come here and make changes? Like the Oilers aren't going to win a trade right now. If you were to go out there and make a trade for, oh, I, give give me a potential goalie, Yusidaros, Jacob, Jacob Markstrom, Jacob Markstrom. <laughs> Do you think uh, down in Calgary they're going to be like, oh, Conroy's like, let me help you, let me help you, Kenny? I know you're struggling. Craig, no,
1: Craig Conroy
0: noted Oilers fanboy. Yeah, it's going to be like, yeah, you know, you whatever you wanted. We're going to up the price for that. It's going to cost you just a little bit more now. So the Oilers are not dealing from a position of power, nor would a new GM be. So I, yes, if you if you were critical of Ken Holland, I think at the start of the year, and you still are, totally fair. Uh, but at this point,
1: I just don't know what it would do. The only, just before we move off of that, Connor, the only thing that you could look at if you're like not content with just firing a coach or in firing the coach at all. Mm-hmm is that if you make the change at management, whether it be actually letting Ken Holland go or maybe taking his hand off the wheel and a combination of Jeff Jackson and or Paul Coffey steer the ship the remainder of the season and allow Ken Holland to retire at its end, because I think a lot of fans' concern is that with Ken Holland being a, they call it a lame duck uh, GM right now, he does not have a year on his contract beyond this one. If he's making decisions for this team despite having no repercussions for it for years after this, that whether that be hiring a new coach, yeah. making trades, uh, feeling the the heat uh, uh, at his own feet, that is where some concern can come from. And I totally understand that. I get it. So it's, it might be a matter of just like the, the upper management, the aforementioned uh, Jeff Jackson, newly brought in CEO, saying, all right, Ken, listen, thanks. It's been real. We're not going to let you go. Collect your paycheck. And, uh, but you are not authorized to make these trades without stamp of approval, coaching decisions without a stamp of approval. And that might already be the case. I think Jeff Jackson was brought in probably to be a pretty hands-on uh, upper management person. But th- that's where I think probably the biggest concern level is when it comes to Ken Holland is that the decisions he's going to make impacting the future of the team when his future at best is likely only going to be another, uh, whatever, eight months.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I guess people can always look back at Peter Chiarelli signing the Mikko Koskinen yeah. an extension, and people will say, like, you know, th- that's kind of always the thing we talk about, like a GM making a move, like, well, I don't care. I'm not going to be here in five years. So if it helps me win right now, I'm doing it. And then that could be, like, the nuge and the cannibal deals, right? Like, I'm not worried about five years down the road. I'm worried about this team in 2023. So I get it. Craig M says that uh, so you fire the GM now because you allow the new GM to hire. Oh my goodness. I butchered this one. Hire to evaluate the team on a lost season, then wasting another year, figuring out what needs to be done. You can't allow Holland to hire the next coach and then just retire. See, that's it. And that's going to help you long-term. But I'm, I'm saying like right now, if you want to need your reaction to try to spark this team, I don't think it's the GM. I think it's the coach. And that would, that would be tough. It'd be tough to be just a casualty of that one. Camero Sparky. That's an NFL question. We'll get to that next. M says, thoughts of the lack of dirty goals. You can't win thinking you are going to beat every goalie at this level from 80 feet. At the end of the day, a goal off a foot looks the same on the score sheet as a highlight reel goal. M, he nailed it. They got to get ugly. When Sam Gagne came in and scored those two goals, they weren't beautiful, but they almost sparked a comeback. Very good. Ben says, I agree. New GM is put in a horrible spot, but let someone else try rather than the guy who got us into this mess. Why not? or why let Kenny try to fix it? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. If you're looking long term, you can make that move and like like Brandon said, it could just be simply Ken, we're going to we're going to oversee what you do here cuz we got to worry about the future. You might not be looking 5 years down the road, but we are. Couple quick ones. No name on this one. Please get us your name. They made a big mistake letting Steve Stales leave. Yeah, when they brought in Jackson, I think Stales was not staying. Scalding Gorge says the only way you get a good goalie is if it will cost you a real player, such as Hyman or a lot of picks. Then, if Dry and McDavid leave, you have no picks and no stars. Yeah, it's a tough one. It certainly is. Could have drafted a goalie a couple of years ago and had him in your system, but you traded back.
1: Jesper Wallstadt. Yeah. Yaroslav Vaskarov, might I not believe, help you. Still on the board. Might not help you right now,
0: but. Maybe. Maybe in the future you would have had that guy. Okay, we've got one from Dustin. That's NFL. And then Team Dean says, just bench Holland. Jeff Jackson should be making the calls now. On a side note, Scotty Upshaw stated on X that Nurse should be benched for the next three games. If there's one move you have to make, you have to get rid of that boat anchor Team Dean. Well, Team Dean, he's got a no-movement clause. No one's going to take on his contract, and he's not going to be benched
1: for the next three games. So Because you cannot recall anybody because you do not have the cap flexibility to sit a regular player just for the sake of sitting him. Yeah. I mean, you can dress him and glue his ass to the bench for three periods, but what is that? what purpose does that serve besides hurting the rest of the players on the team and your chance to win? In the first two periods, was Darnell Nurse that bad? No. I don't think like, so. It was one mistake and a pretty glaring one, which has <laughs> been a lot of the story yeah. for the Oilers Big so time. far egregious mistakes end up in the back of your net sometimes it was due to a goalie not making a save they should sometimes it was due to just mental error and a grade a opportunity that was the case with nurse last night it's it's the same things over and over again spinner from edmonton north
0: what started out as the decade of darkness is quickly becoming the century of shame Oh my gosh! If that happens, you guys with McDavid and Dry's title, I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, keep those texts coming in. Hey, we love the conversation. Uh, we're going to talk some fantasy football in the next segment because we did get a bunch of texts coming in here. Did you have any Panthers or Bears last night? I played the Bears defense, seven points. I think not a great performance, but not too bad. We'll talk about that and more here on Fantasy Frenzy, brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. One eight three three four zero one fourteen forty is the text line. Connor Halley, Brandon Douglas on sports fourteen forty. It is Fantasy Frenzy here on Sports 1440. Connor Hallie, Brandon Douglas with you here this Friday morning, 1126. The text line, one 1440 And while you have your phone out, why don't you go over to willhawkbeefjerky.com, take a look, peruse the menu, see what you might want to come in for. Maybe if you come by the uh, 1440 studio, I'll give you a bottle of our water. Next break, I'll go grab some. And if anyone comes by and flags us down, Brandon, we're gonna hydrate them. Some sports fourteen forty water bottles, recyclable ones. But you could reuse it. That's what I do with mine. Uh, let's get into the inbox. This for the Canadian Brew House. Of course, you can always join us down at the CBH for Monday, Thursday, and Sunday Night Football for your chance to win awesome game day prizes and qualify for a chance to win a trip for two to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Brandon, you were down at the Spruce Grove location last night. Uh, how was the vibe? You had the Oilers game in there as well, so I, I'm assuming it was a pretty uh, lit atmosphere.
1: Uh, a yeah, great crowd as always, uh, the staff. I, it, it's You would think at this point I'd be used to it, but it still blows me away on a week-to-week basis. Um, how well the staff treats me. And maybe it's because they think I'm extra special there to help host uh, Thursday Night Football. But then I look around, they treat everybody the same. Everybody's treated with that uh, that top grade service. So everybody was great. The beer was cold, which I always enjoy. A uh, nice brewski watching the game. I had the buffalo chicken poutine, Ooh. which is one of my favorites. And uh, yeah, the football game was a bit of a stinker. I think we all knew that going yeah. in. It lived up to its expectation. And then, uh, yeah, I, uh, I dipped out at the end of the first period of the oil game to scurry back to my home to watch the remainder of it. Um, But yeah, always a great night. We got three more people qualified to try and win a trip to the Super Bowl. I will say the end of the night, or end of the game, pardon me, the the countdown that goes up on the TV screens, the, the last one standing wins tickets to a home opener. Spruce Grove was like one of the final Five or six, I think, last night, which oh. is rare. Usually when I'm there, it's like one of the whatever location I'm at, one of the first ones out. I'm kind of a bad <laughs> luck charm that way. But it was close last night. So uh, a great night, as always. Uh, can never say enough good things about my time at the CBH.
0: 100% go down there on Monday, Thursday, and Sunday for your chance to qualify for a trip to the Super Bowl. Just a couple more Oilers questions here. Logan says, why don't we call <laughs> up a goalie from the minors? Jack Campbell lit it up in the AHL last night. I think he's ready for NHL action. Obviously sarcastic, Sean. Sean, that's a long one. I'll skim through it quickly. Nurse can't pass, never could. And finally, people are seeing it and thinking. WTF was that. Also, every error he makes is glaring, and there are mistakes that shouldn't be happening at this stage of his career. Meanwhile, Bouchard and his 200 games-ish gets killed when he makes an error. I don't get it. Nurse is number four, and until a coach wants to accept that and let him play like it, instead of force-feeding him as number one, they will look questionable defensively. Sean, from my perspective, Bouchard and Nurse just get ripped a lot equally. Like those two are both the whipping boys right now. I don't know who gets it more or less. Darnell Nurse has got it for the last, well, geez, the entirety of his career. Maybe since the first year when people gave him the rookie vibe, but especially since he got that contract. And when you get that contract, you're going to get ripped if you don't live up to it. That is the unfortunate nature of sports. Ben says, I know everyone loves to hate on Nurse, and he does make more mistakes than he should, but Nurse has always played top pair minutes against elite. Has he ever had a partner who was even a top four? Bear, six or seven. C seat, five. Bouchard, third pair with offensive upside. Disaster in his own end. Off rush, et cetera. Thoughts? Yeah, but I mean, I think the counter argument there would be that if you are paid that type of money, you should be, you know, the upper echelon and make guys around you better. So. I mean, you, I think we can debate Darnell Nurse. We could do that for the entirety of the show and get both sides of it. He's got his supporters. I would say he's got a lot more haters. But when he gets that, that 9.25 mil and he makes those mistakes, the frustration is going to show. And, yeah, when he plays 25 minutes a night, he's probably more likely to make those mistakes against the top-end talent. Brandon, let's let's get into some football talk here for the next five to ten minutes here before we throw it a break. QB question from M I'm in quarterback hell with no QB thoughts on Geno Smith, Garner Minshew or Baker Mayfield. The waiver wire looks awesome. M me and you buddy. I I had Jalen hurts and Kirk cousins. Kirk cousins was my backup plan when Jalen went on the bye week which was this week. But of course his Achilles had another thought. So I I went to the waiver wire yesterday and and in a 12 team league, it was looking pretty rough. I grabbed Derek Carr and Taylor Heineke, and I'm just going to probably flip a coin and hope for the best. Geno Smith has great options, as does Baker Mayfield. And I I believe our guest yesterday, Brad Spielberger, kind of talked about Garner Minshew as potential for a big game because, you know, he does like to push the ball downfield. I kind of like Baker Mayfield. Take it with a grain of salt because I'm a huge fan of his receivers. So I kind of like Baker.
1: Brandon, what do you think? Uh, Geno, Minshew, Mayfield? Geno, Minshew... Mayfield, what a collection of uh, all-star talent. Sounds uh, like a law firm. Uh, Gene, Geno Smith going up against the commander's defense that has recently shipped out two of their best players on the front uh, and otherwise has not looked particularly good most of this season. I don't like, we, we talked about Minshew a bit yesterday, and yes, he has upside, but I don't love the um, the the ov- early, like the oversea game. I just feel like these overseas games, and I think the numbers back it up, that the under is uh, usually a pretty strong um, likelihood and uh, and Baker Mayfield the Titans they're kind of playing for their lives uh, as they continue to roll on one good game one bad game of the three I'll, I'll agree with you Connor just because of who he has around him um, but actually actually you know what take that back okay Geno Smith Seahawks were terrible last week Commanders are a worse team than they were uh, for the first number of weeks this year where they looked pretty competitive and uh, Sam Howell's showing he can put up points so I think the Seahawks will need to move the ball downfield uh, I'll go Geno Smith
0: uh, hey, I mean, I like that one, too, because I, I do like the weapons that he has around him. And if he can push the ball downfield, good thing. So uh, that Titans defense to me, not that great. So that's why I kind of like the Buccaneers. But hit and miss, very hit and miss. So we got another one here. It's uh, CJ Stroud or Justin Herbert. Uh, the Texans taking on the Bengals this week. That comes in from Camrose Sparky. Thank you for listening to the show. Justin Herbert against the Lions. I feel like there's an opportunity. They'll be playing at home Herbert has the arm talent, but I think he's just... I don't think he gives a, you know what, about statistics, which is annoying, because I wanted to push the ball downfield. It's a good
1: thing for the team. Yeah,
0: but like, he's okay with throwing for 120 yards and a bunch of dump-offs if the Chargers win 13-10. And I I think, you know, obviously losing Mike Williams and Joshua Palmer kind of affects you. So I think I go C.J. Stroud. I think they're, they're probably going to be in a game where they have to put up some points. That game's in Cincinnati, Brandon? Or is it, it in Houston? It, uh, it is in Cincinnati. So potentially weather becomes a factor. I think both of those games are going to be high scoring. So I think those are pretty, two pretty good options. But uh, C.J. Stroud's been so impressive. So I might go that way.
1: Yeah, man, the the Bengals look like they've turned a corner. Um, In terms of like yardage given up to the pass, they're still pretty middle of the road. Um, Whereas the Lions, uh, just a matter of a little bit uh, better than the Bengals overall. So it's kind of a like the the Lions defense is such a comparison type thing because. It was so bad last year. They had to score 40 points to win on any given week and they did a lot to down the stretch, you know, almost playing themselves into a playoff spot and it looks so much better this year, but it's just kind of relative because it's still pretty so-so. Of course, Aiden Hutchinson is a, a game wrecker up on the line, but um, I, I I love CJ Stroud. I'm a Texans fan and naturally, I, I think he's playing himself into MVP type consideration uh, at this point of the season. If the The Texans can come out and get a win against the Bengals, even if they're a shorthanded Bengals team. Then Stroud, I think, will really vault himself into that um, MVP talk. But Herbert, I think, is maybe a safer bet. He's going to have to put up points. Uh, Stroud, the run game still sucks. Man, I'm really torn on this one because these are two really good quarterbacks. (laughs) It's good options. It is good options. You know what? I, I... I got to stick with my boy. I'll say CJ Stroud. He's my guy. Ride or die.
0: Uh, M says, thanks, boys, from earlier on. Go Chargers. Yeah, bolt up. Uh, lots of Oilers texts coming in here. There was one I saw that I, I was kind of confused by. Oh, my goodness. My text machine's going wild here. It was basically, how's Jordan Brooks looking? Don't want to drop him to add butt mm, turn. I think yes. it was Slurpee Sean. That must be an individual defensive player. Yeah, do,
1: do, do you guys have an update or any news on Jordan Brooks? I do not want to drop Butker to replace Brooks. Um, he hasn't practiced the last two days. Jordan Brooks. That's that, so that's the best. Answer. That's the best we can offer for you, Slurpee Sean.
0: Yeah, you know the best thing you can do is just Google injury Seahawks injury report. And every team has it on their website. It's like league mandated. They have to do it. They have to put it out there. And it will just tell you if they practiced or not. To me, limited in practice, typically a good sign, but he did not practice. So I would say right now it's looking like he's a no go, but there's also how many times in football do we see a player not practice the entire week and then they're ready to go on Sunday. So you got to watch that one very closely. Hey boys, this is Rodrigo. As you know, I'm in a 12-team league and I'm sending you this picture of the Eagles coming up as I have them in my roster and they have a bye week. Is it time to drop them because of their upcoming schedule? I also have Gabe Davis, Brandon Cooks on the bench. I want to propose a trade for Cortland Sutton as Davis has a bye coming up soon. Is it worth it? P.S. I did have Foreman last night picking up a cool 15 points. Eagles that means defense so you got Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas Seattle That's a good one but the Eagles defense is so good you know what I, I think I made a mistake this year personally I took the Niners defense and I've been so like Locked into giving them another chance in Years past I just go after the waiver wire And mm-hmm. pick teams playing bad matchups And hope for the best
1: That is the most common practice I believe On defense I'm in the same boat as you Connor I drafted the Jets defense yeah. and the thing is They have actually put up a respectable number, I believe, every single week, a couple big performances, um, including winning me the week back in week one uh, after they uh, scraped out that win despite the Aaron Rodgers injury. So, it, um, yeah, Brandon Cooks, uh, to move over to the receiver side of this question, I I think he can hold on to the Eagles' D, um, drop somebody else to just pick up one for the bye at the same, like, they're going to perform regardless who their matchup is. They're that good. No team's going to come out and probably torch them, except Sam Howell and the Washington Commanders. But thankfully, they've already played them twice. Um, Gabe Davis and Brandon Cooks. Cooks had a couple good weeks, finally, but now back to looking like probably third fiddle on the Cowboys offense. So probably an unreliable player. You're usually, like, I'm only starting him now because of injuries and bye weeks. But uh, Cortland Sutton, I think Davis would probably have more trade upside because he can still go off even after a goose egg last week. Uh, I don't really know what you're seeing in Cortland Sutton, though. I mean, the Broncos' offense has been better, and Russell Wilson's been okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. That, that kind of seems like uh, I guess it's just compensating for the bye week, but why not just go to the waiver wire and pick up uh, somebody there? That's just my my approach to it instead of sending out a good player just for like a one week fill in.
0: In my 12 team league, I did grab Cortland Sutton off the waiver wire for a little while. He's since been released, but I get the appeal. Uh, Chomskers yesterday asked us a question. He said, I need one badging Wilson young Jones or Heineke. He lost us the signal. That's why we say he's I heart radio, but uh, we were told him. you know, I said, we said Heineke because that's where I'm kind of leaning. He replies today, he said, I didn't listen, played young on a hunch, and I hate myself, LOL. That's fantasy football, baby. That's just the way it goes, unfortunately. You can make all the right moves, but if they don't perform, eh, what do you do? Hot take? Fantasy football is 75% luck.
1: Maybe more. Only 75%? I mean. <laughs> Maybe more. You can You can do everything right. but, uh, it doesn't always pay off. So I was just reading a text from, uh, from Blake who I am in a matchup with this weekend in, uh, my dynasty league. And both Blake and Logan have been texting in, uh, this week, kind of get me, trying to get me to hype this up a little bit. And Blake texted in, just want to remind you that if Brandon does not come in bright eyed self on Monday, it's cause he got absolutely waxed in fantasy football by yours. Truly Blake. Yeah. I'm going in as the dog against Blake, uh, I'm going to keep saying this because it remains true. Um, I have had three of my best players go down to injury. Jefferson, A-chan, and Mike Williams. And I'm still uh, 6-3, and I believe. So, eat that, Blake. And uh, I'm hoping for the upset. But, I mean, hey, if I lose, I lose. Who goes undefeated in fantasy football? I'm sure they're out there. It's rare. I would guess. I mean... It's also rare to go winless, but Kevin Karius is doing his best uh, job to bunk that uh, trend, so it can happen. I wish you the best in the matchup, Blake, but uh, I hope I lose, and I hope to share a few cold brews with you tonight at the Senior Outlaws game.
0: Someone says, you know that Russell Wilson has almost identical numbers <laughs> to Patrick Mahomes.
1: Well, okay, so here's
0: here's my thing. I, was that sent because of what you said about Cortland Sutton? hmm Because... Who's Patrick Mahomes' big fantasy receiver? <laughs> it's Travis Kelsey. He doesn't have a receiver, so like because the quarterback has good play, that doesn't mean that necessarily his receivers are going to. And Russell Wilson, we've we haven't shied away from that fantasy wise. He's been pretty good
1: this year, and Patrick Mahomes has been pretty mid, pretty mid. So you by know, his, especially by his own standards,
0: this isn't Patty Mahomes of a few years ago throwing for fifty touchdowns, and this is Russell Wilson not being the terrible self he was last year. He's progressed. Mahomes has regressed from numbers that would have been tough to keep up for a continual basis because his receivers suck. Like, let's let's not lie. The amount of drop passes that guy's had to deal with is pretty crazy. But at the same time, yeah, we haven't shied away from it. Russell Wilson, although not consistent, he's had some really good weeks. So I don't hate Cortland Sutton. Oh, Wilson. Ha- okay, well, we've never heard. Really- he said it's because we said Wilson's been okay. Has he been great? Let me just quickly look this up. We're going to break in a second here. When we come back, we'll let you know what's coming up on the show with Alan Mitch on the lowdown with Low Tide. So when you come to the touchdown categories, obviously, Tua to a tongue of Iloa atop the leaderboard. Then you've got Kirk Cousins, who hasn't played in a couple weeks, Josh Allen, Mahomes, and there's Russell Wilson. So he's fifth in passing in the company of Jalen Hurts, Sam Howell. Uh, he has been pretty good. And the touchdown to interception ratio. Only four turnovers this year. Yardage-wise, 200 yards per game. That puts him way down. So he's not putting up yardage, but touchdowns. That's and, what counts in yes, fantasy.
1: And yes, touchdowns uh, trump all. They're the ultimate equalizer in fantasy. You've got to get uh, three receptions a game, but if they're all for touchdowns, then you're laughing. Um how many rushing touchdowns does Russell Wilson have? Like, if we're, we're talking about comparing him to the elite of the elite, the Jalen Hurts, like, I, I, he's not in that category. Yeah, he's, I, I don't know. I think he's been okay. He's been good. He, he's been okay. I'll,
0: I'll say he's what's, been good. What's wrong with saying that he's been okay? Because last year he sucked. He was so bad. <laughs> so bad fantasy frenzy where we will occasionally blur the line between fantasy and reality. Occasionally. Uh, Let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll get back into the text box. That was, that was our inbox brought to you by the Canadian brew house, sending you to the super bowl. I'm actually not going anywhere this week. They scheduled me off this week remembrance day so it's it's fitting but uh, brandon you'll be back out somewhere on thursday then i'll be somewhere the monday after that i think i'm heading out to st albert in a couple weeks gonna be down at the ice house looking forward to that so shout out to the canadian brew house go have a pint there tonight and some chocolate cake nothing like a pint of beer and some chocolate cake on a friday night that's my recommendation it is fantasy frenzy one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty hallie douglas brought to you by wheelhawk beef jerky 11.49. Man, uh, running a little bit late here, but that's okay. It's been a jam-packed show here on Fantasy Frenzy. I'm Connor Halley. He is Brandon Douglas. Brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. one 833 1440 is the text line if you want to shoot us a note. I would like to pass along a little bit about what's coming up on the radio station today. Of course, we do have the Jason Greger Show coming up at 2 o'clock I don't know if you missed it. If you did, he uh, said if the Oilers lose to the San Jose Sharks on Thursday, he's going to grow out his hair for six months. So it looks like for six months, this guy will be having a little bit of a call de sack, the Costanza. Uh, We'll get his thoughts on that one. And you know what, Gregor is on YouTube. So you can, ever so often, if you have the opportunity, go to the Oilers Nation YouTube stream and watch and see how the hair is progressing uh, before that though of course we do have the lowdown with low tie today they will be joined by steve lansky of big Mouse sports they'll have the declinations and tyler Uremchuk. i mentioned ty about his little rant about dry saddle last night fired up ty was he was good he was really good last night as was aaron Bardado. the, the funniest thing aaron does because he you know was speaking confidently of the oilers First thing he does is puts on a clown wig and a clown nose. And it was so funny. So, yeah, Oilers Nation, uh, they do a great job after dark and then pre-gaming with boards. You can watch that on their YouTube. And then on the Jason Greger Show today, of course, we'll uh, we'll recap what happened if you haven't got enough of that yet. I will be joined by Craig Button, Mark Spector, Low Tide, Juan Gretz will be by Everett you, the voice of the Seattle Kraken, will join us to uh, preview tomorrow's game. Man, the Oilers need a win in that one. And uh, a whole lot more. We'll take your text. We might even have some open line on the phone. Right, here's one for you, Brandon. This comes in from Franchise and Slave Lake. Okay, guys, McDavid. Let's talk about trading him in fantasy. What do you think? I, I had the numbers for you. In the last four games, McDavid has one assist. We think there's something. Uh, we got a text earlier saying TG reported that as well. You
1: could get a probably a pretty good ransom for him. Here's the thing, Franchise. They're, I play with guys in a couple of my leagues that they are just like, they're, they're not really NHL fans. They're hockey fans. They're Oilers fans, which is great. This is Edmonton. They're a local team. Why not support your club? And they live and die. Right now, you could trade McDavid and maybe if you're thinking, yeah, the Oilers are sunk. They stink. It's over for them. McDavid, uh, I'm sure he'll probably put up still a decent amount, but this slow of a start, he's not he's not touching 150. And you should be able to get a nice hefty sizable package in return for a fantasy hockey trade involving Connor McDavid. Here's the big issue with trading in fantasy. Unless you're it's a keeper league or a dynasty league, and this is the same for football and hockey and I assume basketball. The number of players going each way have to end up the same. So, in trading away McDavid, you'd have to trade away other players. And yes, the ones you're getting back will all be better than what you're trading away, but the numbers still have to match up, right? So that makes it a little more complicated. You can't just trade Connor McDavid for like five of whoever you're going to best players and that's it. You you could, I guess, and then drop five of your players, but then someone else is going to pick them up. They're probably good players. So it's it's a little more complicated, but you would certainly be able to fetch a good return and there's probably somebody in your league more than willing to overpay uh, for Connor McDavid right now. Probably might burn you. I mean, he's still Connor McDavid.
0: <laughs> you know, I was gonna say, you know, if it's a keeper league, you could get some some picks, and then I thought, yeah, but you don't have Connor McDavid Con- for yeah, the if, next Yeah, If you're five trading years. Connor McDavid away in a keeper <laughs> league, then I'm
1: starting to question your uh your motives here. But in a redraft league, I actually think that's a, a bold, bold decision. One I would applaud. You gotta take some risks sometimes. Pillman texting in to one eight three
0: three four zero one fourteen forty. Sorry, gentlemen, missed all morning. Does Woody still have a job? Yes. If anything happens, it'll break on Low Tide show because he always gets the breaking news. Classic Low Tide. Classic LT. He'll complain about it, but he always gets the breaking news. He got Jack Campbell on waivers like right when his show started,
1: but he'll never mention that. I believe they were the first words out of Tide's mouth that day. That's how it works.
0: I wouldn't expect a move. I mean, I've said it in my mind. If you want something to shake things up, that's the easiest move to make, but I do believe they're on the ice right now. And Jay Woodcroft is leading the practice. So we'll see. We'll see. Maybe there is a, a little shot of confidence to, to Jay and his staff and the players. But man, they gotta wake up. Your best players gotta be your best players. We've said this for a long time with the Edmonton Oilers. They're gonna go as far as their stars take them. And Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisidel are the stars. They're MVPs. They're hundred-point players. <laughs> 50 goal scores, 60 goal scores. And right now they're just not getting it done. If they can turn that around, uh, I, I think the rest of the team will follow suit. Scalding Gord says, if George Costanza and Jim Leahy had a baby... Dot, 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 dot. Some people said... Um, is it Randy? Leahy's, Randy Bobandy. Yeah, some people are like, Connor, if you're going to be like the the right-hand man of Gregory, you got to be Randy. And I've tell, I'm telling you, HR already came to me. They're like, "Do not take your shirt off." Tarps on in the Stingray Studio. Yeah, so I've been in farms. So I'm like, I'm like, maybe I'll pull a Julian and just, you'll just see me walking around with the the tight black shirt and a drink <laughs> all the time. That's probably about as close as I can get.
1: I'd like to be bubbles throwing the glasses. No, that's Declan. Whoever yeah. sent you, that sent you that, or Declan sent that tweet last night saying, "Me and Connor alongside uh, <laughs> Jason <laughs> Leahy, Gregor, and I was howling because." You are such a Randy, Connor. You out hooking for cheeseburgers again? (laughs) I mean,
0: I've been known to dabble for cheeseburgers, but in other ways. I (laughs) I pay for them with cash. I pay for them with cash money. (laughs) Yeah. You know what, though? I got into that show probably a little late, but watching that late night when you just need a stupid show to laugh at, it is is hilarious. So uh, yeah, good on Gregor. He's not backing down. He is going to grow it out. And he is going to go see these Edmonton Oilers in the room. And they're going to say, why is your hair like that? And he will say, because you lost to the San Jose Sharks. And maybe they'll get a chuckle out of it. Maybe at that point, they'll be on a 10-game winning streak and they'll laugh. We shall see. Alan Mitchell is up next. You don't want to miss it. He's got his large McCafe coffee. He's fired up. Thank you guys for tuning into the show today. Really do appreciate it. Uh, text into Low Tide right now, one 401 1440 Tell him happy Friday cheer him up because he looks rattled all right now let's get to a sports 1440 update brought to you by wilhawk beef jerky home of alberta's best beef jerky locations in leduc spruce grove and west edmonton mall com. here is brandon douglas